Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to my Bible study podcast. This daily podcast is a place where we take the teachings of Scripture seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join us as we dive into the sacred word of the Bible, and each time we read, we pray, we change the world. Welcome to Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. It is Wednesday, February the 1st, 2023. Yeah, so a new month. Um, jumping over to Luke chapter 7 today as we uh, continue reading through the New Testament in a year. And uh, we spent the last few days in Matthew chapter 7 and 8. And today we're going to be, uh, today and tomorrow is Luke 7 and 8. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and I was just saying uh, on the live uh be that uh, yesterday the Church of God Ministries released, uh, uh, did an article on um, CCM, which is Community Church Multipliers, which is a nonprofit that was started out of Bayside uh, for church multiplication. And that was, uh, did they did a write-up about that and the relationship between Bayside and New Spring. Really good article. Check it out. Uh, JesusIsTheSubject.org is, the, uh, is where you can read that article and on Facebook. Uh, Church of God Ministries. Sounds really cool. Well, welcome everybody. So glad you guys are on. Uh, we're continuing our journey through the New Testament. And so today is Matthew, as I said, Luke, I'm sorry, Luke 7 and 8. And then uh, Friday on our own, we'll jump back over and read uh, Matthew 11. Uh, so some of the stories will be the same that we've covered over the last day or so. Uh, but um, this time from Luke's perspective of retelling the stories and obviously some new content as well. Uh, like, for example, the very first story we're going to read we're, will seem familiar if you were with us yesterday uh, because it's the faith of cent the centurion, the Roman soldier. So, well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Thanks for uh, logging on, logging in, signing in, listening up, whatever, <laughs> however, you're, <laughs> however you're on today. Glad you're here. Um, let's do it. You know what we do? We read, we pray, we change the world. Luke chapter 7. When Jesus had finished saying all of this, which, uh, you know, it's the Sermon on the Plain in Luke, Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, Sermon on the Plain in Luke. But when Jesus had finished saying all that to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, whom, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. All right, so a centurion soldier. Uh, officer over 100 uh, officer, uh, soldiers, uh, has a servant who's sick and about to die, and the centurion heard, above Jesus, heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. So Luke gives us a little more detail already about how the actual interchange happened, um, so that uh, the centurion, the way the centurion... Um, communicated with Jesus was through some of these elders, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with him. Hmm. Wow. So this is, uh, you know, this is someone who uh, is highly respected in the uh, Jewish community. He's done some good things for the community. Um, he loves the country and has done good things for the Jewish people. He's been good to them. He's like, so 
<laughs> Jesus, this could really, this could be really an awesome thing here if you could uh, do a do a miracle for this guy because he's done a lot of good things for us. He's been he's been good to us. So, um, when they heard, uh, okay, verse the latter part of verse six or verse six. So when Jesus went with them, he was not far off from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Hmm. So you got elders of the Jews who are coming to Jesus, and they're like, hey, look, Jesus, on the down low, man. Um, this guy's got a lot of power. He's been very good to us. So, you know, if you could do him a solid, that'd be great. <laughs> If you do him a favor, that'd be great. And now as Jesus is headed towards his house, now um, some of his, um, some of the centurion's friends now come out to meet Jesus and say, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. This is what I didn't, uh, th that is why I did not cons even consider myself worthy to come to you. So, you know, he's telling the reason I didn't come to you myself, but the elders came and then my friends came is because I didn't feel like I was even worthy to, for you to be under my roof or to even have such a request from you. Hmm. Verse eight or verse seven. That is why I did not consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. Wow. Just say the word. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. <clears throat> when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him and turned to the crowd following him and said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. So Jesus commends the centurion's faith. He says, he's got great faith. I haven't seen a faith like this even in Israel. And this guy's a centurion. He's a Gentile. Hmm. I think sometimes as followers of Jesus, we can become so familiar with Jesus that we forget the power of Jesus. You know? Like um, it's that kind of curse of familiarity. You, 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 uh, uh, when you're around Jesus so much, you forget the power and the awesomeness and the ability and the authority of Jesus. Um, and this story is a great reminder of that, right? And sometimes it takes an outside voice, right? It takes an outside person. An outside, that's why the stories of new believers, you know, someone who comes to Jesus, uh, salvation stories are so important because they remind us of, um, they remind us of just how incredible Jesus is. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm like, you know, you hear someone tell the story of their salvation and how Jesus delivered them and set them free. And maybe it's been five, 10, maybe 20 years since you were saved, came to Christ. And you hear that story, you're like, yeah, it brings you back, brings you back to where, you know, where you were and how God redeemed your life or how God once brought you through a difficult time. And you're like, wow, man, yes. We take for granted the holiness and the, the power of Jesus sometimes. Um, I know I do, man. I mean, uh, you'd say, well, that sounds weird, Pastor, for you to say that. Well, I'm just being honest with you. You know, it's easy to, it's easy to forget and to, uh, uh, to overlook the awesomeness of the one whom we serve.
you know? And so, yeah. And so you hear a centurion or a new Christian or someone outside the family of God who meets Jesus, who confesses to the power and the ability and the, and the, the, the miracle-working power of God, and you're like, wow, yes, I'm going to pray in faith and believe because this guy's inspired my faith. The centurion um, was a contrast. His faith was a contrast to what was common in Israel at the time. Hmm. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain. Hmm. After Maine. <laughs> Maine, Nain. I don't know. I really don't. I just, I mean, I can't say that for sure. But anyway, it was Nain is the place. I don't Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, wow, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. All right, so there's I mean, Jesus was heading into town, and this guy's they're carrying out. There's a funeral. Jesus, they stumbled upon a funeral procession. They're carrying the young man out, the son of uh, uh, his mom, who's a widow now. So she doesn't, she doesn't, she's his, he, what, the deceased is her only son. So now she has no uh, male in her life to, you know, provide or care for her, which was a very big deal in that culture. So she's a, she's in, I mean, this is not only a personal loss, obviously, a deep personal loss, it's also a, this is gonna this is gonna usher in some pretty uncertain days for this uh, for this woman. When the Lord saw her, wow! Look at this man. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and said, "Don't cry, man. How tender is that, huh? Man, how would you like to be the one if Jesus looked out to you, were crying, you were tore up, you were mourning, you were, and 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 the Lord." God of the universe, Jesus, the Son of God, looks you in the eye. You just happen to cross his path, and he looks you in the eye. His heart goes out to you, and he says to you, and those, uh, those loving, authoritative, and uh, that, that loving, authoritative voice, don't cry. Mm. So he tells this widow whose hopes are gone, man, whose life is, you know, her beloved son is deceased, her future is in jeopardy. Her hope is, in a real sense, gone. And Jesus says, this ain't time to cry. Hey, you might be a word for you today. You may be in a desperate place. Maybe you've shed some tears, maybe some heartache. Maybe you, maybe you can hear the Lord uh, as his heart goes out to you. Jesus' heart goes out to you. He says, your hope is not gone. Don't cry. I've got the power and the ability and the love and the compassion to carry you through, to carry you out, to carry you over. Whatever it's going to take, he can do it. So then he went up and he touched the, uh, the bear, the bear? They were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up 
and began to talk. <laughs> and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Wow. Man, they weren't expecting that. They weren't expecting that. This young man's like, she, he's like, his heart goes out to this widow and he's like, don't cry. Goes over to the the uh, the pallbearers. He's like, um, hold on just a second. Puts his hand on the deceased young man on the laid out. And he rises up. Says to you, get, he says to the young man, get up. Mm. You know, that's what he does for all of us. I mean, Jesus literally can raise the dead, of course, but he also raises the spiritually dead every single day. Spiritually dead. He comes to our lives and he lays his holy hand on our lives, our dead lives, and he says, stand up. Be raised to new life. And you know what? He does it with dead-end situations and circumstances that we think we're, we've shed tears over, we're heartbroken over, we know, what, we know no way out, and Jesus steps into that funeral procession that we've you know, just declared over that circumstance. He says, uh-uh-uh-uh, we ain't done yet. My heart's going out to you. Don't cry. Situation, circumstance, person, spiritual life, be raised to new life. And when it comes to life, dry bones live. Man, you, man, I'm excited. You know, one of the uh, a series I'm going to be doing after Easter is on Ezekiel. And man, I'm pumped about it. I know I got a long way to go before we get to after Easter, but I'm telling you, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Dry bones live, Valley, Valley of Dry Bones. There's a lot of stuff before that, too, in Ezekiel that's powerful. But towards the end of the book, it's the Valley of Dry Bones. Looking over a Valley of Dry Bones. Can these bones live? Only you know, Lord. <laughs> Only you know, Lord. Hey, you may be over a circumstance right now, and you're like, the Lord asks you, do you think this situation can live? you think this relationship can live? you think this uh, ministry can live? you think this business can live? On and on and on. And what do we say? Only you know, Lord. I don't know the future. I have hope. Only you know, Lord. Jesus says, and the Spirit of God speaks, speak to the dry bones. Tell these dry bones to live. Prophesy to the bones. Speak the Word of God over those bones. <laughs> oh, man, speak the Word of God over those dead circumstances. Speak the Word of God over your children, over your marriage, over your family, over your business, over your children's school, over their activities. Speak the Word of God over it. Prophesy to those bones, man. <laughs> Prophesy to those bones. I don't care if it is a if it is a, a a metaphorical funeral procession. If Jesus shows up, man, things got to live. Come on now, Jesus shows up, it's got to live. We got no choice. Verse sixteen. They were all filled with awe and praised God. Yeah, but they did. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Hmm. Yes, sir, I bet it did. Could you imagine? You're at that funeral, you're like, man, I'll tell you, you ain't gonna believe this. I, I was at um, Sally's, Sally boy, you know, Sally boy, he'd been sick a while. And... uh yeah, it was sad. She was a good woman. 
and you know her her husband died a few years ago and he she was all he had she was she he was all she had left i went to that funeral we was going but we it was where was it was over in nain <laughs> where's that well i don't matter it was over in nain she she lived over in nain we were over in nain and i was heading out of town the procession we was all tore up we were all was crying and you know, Sally was, I mean, she was, she was beside herself. She was in pieces. You know how it is. And un understandably so. And, uh, we was just walking and, uh, and this old boy, you ain't gonna believe this, but this old boy, he, uh, he's walking the other way and he just came up to her. He saw, he saw, um, he saw Sally and he just told her not to cry. Hmm. And, uh, and then I, you ain't like I said, you ain't gonna believe this. He wrote, look, just sit down because what I'm about to tell you is gonna be hard to believe. He, he he put his hand. He told the Paul Bears to just stop, just stop right there. He, I don't, as far as I know, he don't know Sally's boy, but she she just told him to stop. They did, they stopped. And then he put his hand on him, and he flat out told that that dead body to raise, to be to, to stand up. And you know what I'm gonna tell you? What's, you ain't gonna believe this. You know what happened? He stood up. I know. He stood up. And start talking. Start talking about sports. <laughs> start talking about, you know, video games. Boy, just stood up and start talk talking like crazy. Whereas that's how it probably would have happened in in um, if Nain was in the country somewhere. Anyway, you know where it spread. Eighteen. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? So John the Baptist's disciples, uh, G is uh, sent. You know, G Jesus, are you the Messiah to come, or should we wait? Should we be waiting for someone else? Hmm. When the men came to Jesus, they said, "John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else?" So this is a pretty straightforward ask. Is uh, Jesus to ask? I mean, Jesus, are you the Messiah? Watch this, watch this, watch this. Verse 21. At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases. <laughs> Jesus is like, um, I'll get to that question in a minute. In a month, but, you know, while you're waiting, let me cure and heal a few people. <laughs> let me, let me, in a sense, let me answer this question with my actions. <laughs> Not only, I can tell you the words, but that ain't, let me just, excuse me, let me just go on about what the, what Messiah does. And what Messiah does is he ushers in the kingdom of God. And where the kingdom of God is present, these sort of manifestations of the Spirit's power present themselves. So Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits. He gave sight to many who were blind. Hmm. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Yeah, that's awesome. So Jesus, he didn't, give him a, he didn't even give a short answer. He says, tell, instead, go back. John's asking if I'm the one. Go back and tell him what you've just seen. That the blind see and the lame walk and the lepers are healed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Mm. 
because John will know, and anyone who knows the Word of God will know that those are the things that happen around the Spirit's coming. Isaiah, right? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's flavor, <laughs> favor. That's, that was the, uh, these signs and wonders were, were evidence of the Messiah's appearing. Verse 23, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on, my, on account of me. And don't stumble over the reality that Jesus is here. Run to him. Verse 24, after John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it was written. This is speaking of John. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, watch this, man, what an endorsement for John right here. Verse 28, I tell you, among those born of women, which, by the way, every human being has been born of a woman. Again, these gender issues are not very are not complicated. Every human being is born from a woman, not a man. I tell you, among those born of a woman, there is not one greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. There's not anybody been born that's greater than, I mean, of, born of a woman. That, this, just the way Jesus is just saying, this, is, this man is the best of the best. John is a, the best of the best. But even in the kingdom of God, you know, all that stuff don't matter. That's what he's saying. Saying, but even in the kingdom of God, he, you know, the greatest will be least, and the least will be greatest. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. Hmm. Jesus went on to say. To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the pipe for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. He's like, you, you can't be pleased. You're trying to find excuses. You, you ignore John the Baptist because, uh, you know, he, he, didn't do what, he didn't do this and that. The Son of Man did do this and that, and you, you reject the Son of Man. So you're, you're not really hungry for the truth. You're just trying to find excuses to uphold your old way of life. <laughs> you're ignoring the, the, uh, the day of the Lord. Verse 36. I love this story. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house. Now, I always think that's awesome that Jesus went to the Pharisee's house. The Pharisee invited him to dinner, and guess what? Jesus didn't say, no, I ain't going to the Pharisee's house. He went. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she heard. Jesus is in town. He's at uh, that Pharisee's house. 
So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume, expensive perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. So you see this, you can visualize, these guys are eating, they're reclined at the table eating, and at the back of, and behind Jesus is a woman who is just crying, just, just torn up by emotion. And she has this jar of alabaster. She's pulling it on her. He, she, he's drying her hair, dry, drying his feet with her hair. And when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. I love this. Jesus said, um, Let me tell you a story, uh, Simon. Let me ask you a story. <laughs> Simon, let me ask you a story. Um, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them, the one, neither one, had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said, to, and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say that among themselves, who is this that can even forgive, that even forgives sins. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Wow, I love that story, man. <laughs> Gosh, that is so powerful and moving. I mean, Jesus is showing, man, the, the extravagance of her worship corresponds with the depth of her gratitude. You know, I think sometimes we come into worship like, you know, like, do we really come into worship out of a out of a depth of gratitude? Like, wow, thank you, God. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you for everything that I have. The extravagance of her worship paralleled the depth of her gratitude. You know, you show me a grateful person, and I will show you a generous person. You show me a grateful person, and I will show you a generous person. Because generosity flows from a heart of gratitude. Why would she, why would she pour this expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus? Because she was um, incredibly grateful. 
and it it um it magnifies and 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 demonstrates the worth of Jesus. He was worth it. Jesus was worth it. Man, when we talk about giving of our time and our our worship and our you know making time for God and tithing and giving, man, it's a matter of the worth of Jesus. It's a matter of gratitude. And you can talk about all in this weekend. I'll talk about giving and the importance of the principle of first. And um, but the bottom line is this: when you're grateful, you will give. I mean, period. When you are grateful. You will give, and I'm not just talking about money, but it certainly includes money. And that this woman is an example of that. Simon, who who was the Pharisee, did the minimum for Jesus when he came to his house. Why? Because he wasn't grateful. He wasn't grateful that Jesus was there. He wasn't grateful for the forgiveness of God. He thought that he was a good guy. That Jesus was just he was just that he was just that Jesus was just fortunate enough to be invited to a good man's house. So he did the bare minimum for Jesus. But this woman who was very keenly aware of what all she had been forgiven. Man, she goes full stop. I mean, I mean, she, she pulls out all the stops in expressing her gratitude for Jesus. If you read through the Bible, man, and you see the, the generosity of God, it always goes back to being reminded. You know, why do we give the things to God that we give to God? Not because He needs them. Never. Never because he needs them. The reason we give anything and everything to God is this, and it goes back to the Old Testament, and it's true in the New Testament. It says, because we were once slaves in Egypt, but God let us out by a mighty hand. So why do we give anything to Jesus? Why do we give our lives? Why do we give our time? Why do we give our talents? Why do we give it all to Jesus? Because we were once slaves in Egypt, and God let us out by a mighty hand. Mm-hmm. Show me a grateful person, I'll show you a generous person. <laughs> thank you guys so much for being on today. Hey, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your holy word. I pray your blessing upon each and every person at the sound of my voice, whether they're on the podcast or live on the stream this morning. May you bless them and encourage them. Lord, help us to be people who are grateful, grateful and aware of the power. And the- Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, take a minute to subscribe or comment or share it with your friends. You can find me, Pastor Terry, and Bayside Church on all social media platforms. You can find Bayside at Bayside Church SH. Until next time, remember, God's word is true. Everything else is merely commentary. God bless you. We'll see you next time.